Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Is it all right if we talk about tomorrow for just a little bit? Like maybe if you're watching online at home from the comfort of your living room, can we allow our minds to wander for just a second, maybe into the future and kind of lose sight of everything that's been happening around us and and to us? And, And I know that's probably harder than ever right now because it feels like the last seven days, the last week, it feels like we've kind of taken some steps back and it makes tomorrow even feel further away in some ways. And I don't I don't know about you, but like, I'm ready to think about tomorrow a little bit. I'm ready to dream again. And I don't want to discount or discredit everything that we've been through and certainly don't want to minimize your experience. So is it, is it okay with you? Can we allow optimism to just creep back in for just a second? Maybe at home, like, is it okay with you if we just think about the future? Maybe for just the next 30 minutes, and then we can kind of pick up today's troubles again on our way out this morning. Um, but uh, to do that, I want to kind of set this up. Some of you are familiar with, um, with the famous comedian Jerry Seinfeld, right? You know who Jerry Seinfeld is? Jerry Seinfeld is saying that um, for, the, for the comic, for the life of the comedian, survival is often uh, success, right? Like that's how hard it is to be a comedian uh, this day and age. And I think we can all relate to that. Survival really is sometimes success. Like if you're a business owner right now and your doors are open, you deserve a standing ovation. Way to go. Like you made it. Good job. Like that's, that's awesome. Um, if you're a parent and you survived virtual homeschooling without destroying a laptop, there you go. Like you deserve a gold star. You did it. You made it. I mean, and that's just like the things that maybe this year you didn't get a promotion at work. You know what? That's okay. You know, the bonus didn't come your way, but you know what? You learned how to make bread and you binged watch Tiger King so that you could cope with everything. And that's great. You know, that good on you. Sometimes that's just what success looks like, right? Sometimes survival really is success. But if there's anything that uh, this last year and a half has taught me, like if there's anything that I've learned about myself is that uh, the season we've been in has kind of encouraged me to pack on fear in a way that I never have before. It's kind of encouraged me to pack on this scarcity mindset that I've really never lived with or dealt with before. And I don't know about you, but while I have just been surviving, while I've just been trying to make it, I've had to sit kind of face-to-face with some inabilities that I didn't know I had, um, some insecurities that I didn't know I had, some shortcomings that I didn't know I had. And it's those inabilities and it's those shortcomings, and honestly, it's the the fear and the the worry and the dread that's kind of gotten packed on that's caused me to look at tomorrow a little differently. Um, I've always been a pretty optimistic, forward-looking person, but all of a sudden, I kind of have this fear about the future that I hope won't always be with me that I hope maybe I can move past. And today I want us to look at maybe how we could do that. Because I don't know about you, but I'm kind of ready to dream again. 
Like I'm ready to think about something that's better again. I'm ready to aspire to something new and different again, maybe for myself or for my family. And I hope that's true about you. I hope maybe you look at this community and you're, you have a dream for this community that's better, that's, that's bigger, that's, that doesn't involve everything that we've just been through or that we've just had to pack on to ourselves. That's, that's kind of what this series is about. We're talking about the idea that no matter what's happening around us, no matter what's happening to us or um, that we are kind of experiencing, that life can be better. And not just better, but that it can be better than ever. And that sounds like a big promise, but I really do believe that is something that Jesus wants for every single one of us, to have this full and abundant life. And if you were here last week, you know, we looked at this story um, from the life of Jesus where he absolutely vandalizes religion. He just tramples all over it. And then he walks right out into the, the, to the market where the common people are to do something incredible. And what he does is he walks out to show us that we are seen and that we are heard and that we are known and that we are loved by our Father in heaven through Jesus, that we are his and that he cares intimately about us, so much so that he wants to give us an abundant or a full life. And we said that uh, ultimately what he wanted to show us through this whole kind of shock and awe campaign where he just tramples over religion is that this life we're looking for, this full life that we all want to know and experience, it isn't found where we're looking for life. Like it isn't found in our circumstances. It's not found in the things that are happening to us or around us that we could actually have a full life, a meaningful life, a, a purposeful life apart from all of that. And it's found in Jesus. Um, but if you were with us last week, you know that we really kind of stayed at what I would call like the 30,000 foot view. Like it was just um, kind of big picture. We didn't really talk about how to do any of that or certainly how to begin to move forward, begin to follow Jesus and kind of begin to move past our past. And so today I want us to do kind of the opposite. If we stayed really big picture last week, I want us to get really granular this week. One of the things we say around here all the time is that we want to make faith practical. And that's really what I hope to do today. I hope you're able to walk out of here with some really practical handles for how you can begin to move past the past that we've just experienced and into a tomorrow that really can be, I believe, better than ever. But I want to give you two words of warning. The first I just gave you, like this is going to be really practical. So if you're looking for some super spiritual, big picture, inspirational message, Probably not gonna find it today, but that's okay. You can come back next week. I guarantee you Andy will, will hit on that and it'll be fantastic. Um, the other word of warning I wanna give you is you're gonna be tempted to push back on everything that I'm gonna say today. And I wanna encourage you to, to fight that because it's gonna sound a little like church cliche. It's gonna sound like something I'm supposed to say to people like you. And so when you feel that, just kind of push back on that urge a little bit and instead try to lean in with me. Um, now to do all that, I wanna take you way back in time to a first century letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a brand new fledgling church. If you're familiar with the New Testament at all, you know that Paul uh, wrote most of the New Testament and there are literally a series of letters that he wrote to churches that he started. Well, this letter is to a group of people who lived in a town called Philippi. It's the letter to the Philippians. You get how this is working. All right, so Paul wrote this letter to them to talk to them about how they could kind of do what we're talking about how they could move forward into a future that felt uncertain, how they could move forward to a tomorrow that didn't feel like it was gonna be filled with promise. But before I read you this stuff that Paul wrote, I feel like I should tell you a little bit about Paul to make sure you know 
who is writing this letter because I think Paul has way more credibility than you would ever imagine, all right? So first thing you need to know about Paul is that Paul's life used to be awesome, like incredibly, incredibly awesome, better than any of us could ever imagine. He was like filthy rich. He got to sit on what was the Jewish version of the Supreme Court. He was trained at probably the Jewish version version of Harvard. Um, he had an immense amount of privilege. Everywhere he went, he was highly sought after. He was the expert. Now, Paul kind of made his name hunting down and persecuting uh, followers of the way. That would be people who decided to follow Jesus. He would hunt them down, he would arrest them, he would throw them into prison, okay? And that's how he became a really big deal. Well, then Paul had this remarkable transformational experience. He actually encountered Jesus in a way that was very real to him and it completely changed his life. It was fascinating. You can actually go read about it in another New Testament book. It's called the book of Acts. Read all about it. It's an amazing, amazing experience that happened in the life of Paul. Completely changed his life. All right, so Paul goes from persecuting Christians to actually becoming one. He goes from hunting them down to starting churches all over the Middle East uh, in this new name, in this, in this idea that people can follow Jesus. And man, like it cost him. Like it cost him everything. I mean, he was beaten, he was arrested, he lost all of his money, he lost all of his privilege. Ultimately, he was thrown in jail multiple times. In fact, what we're about to read, I want you to kind of get your minds around this. Paul wrote this from prison to these people, all right? And listen, this is what he says. He's like, hey, I know what it's like to forget the past. I know what it's like to move forward into tomorrow. And when you're ready to do that, here's what I want you to do. You ready? He goes, do not worry about anything. And of course, we're like, of course, Paul. Like the very first advice you give me is to like not do the one thing that I am best at in the whole world. Like, I don't know about you, but I can worry about everything. I told you, like, you're going to start pushing back, right? You hear this, you're like, of course, this is what we're going to talk about. I totally get it, but lean in, fight that urge, all right? I know what it is like to worry. I understand that. Like, I can worry about things that don't even exist. I make up problems to worry about just so I'll have something to worry about. Like, I totally get that. In fact, if there's nothing to worry about, I get worried. Because, like, obviously, we should always be worried. And Paul's like, hey, hey, when you're ready to move forward, you're ready to move into this better future, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Paul's like, hey, you wanna know that tomorrow can be better? Hey, you wanna know what it's like to forget the past, all the things that we've been packing onto our lives and into our lives and into our heart over the last 18 months, over the last two years? He's like, hey, if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to move forward, the first step, stop worrying so much about everything Instead, start talking to God about everything. And I know that sounds complicated. And I know that sounds a little overly spiritual, but think about this for just a second, all right? Something difficult comes along in your life, right? Like you experience a job loss, your marriage starts to fall apart, your kids aren't behaving well, um, a global pandemic, for instance. I mean, whatever you wanna say that we just experienced, all right? So you experience something difficult. We all go through a series of events. The first thing that happens is you start to lose your stability, right? You're kind of knocked off balance by whatever it is you experience. And you find yourself kind of wobbling for a second. And then everything starts to feel wrong around you. Then everything starts to feel out of, uh, beyond repair, kind of out of control. And ultimately, once it gets to this beyond control, out of repair, ultimately, for those of us who say we are followers of Jesus, what happens? Our confidence in God takes a little hit, right? We kind of experience this thing and we're like, wait a minute. 
that shouldn't happen to me. Like, like, wait a minute, like if God loves me, why did, why did that happen? Wait, wait a minute, this feels out of control. Where's God in this? And then what do we do? This, this happens to every single one of us. What do we do? We start talking to everybody but God about all the things that we should be talking to God about. You talk to your mom and them, you talk to your neighbors, you talk to your friend, you talk to your coworkers, you talk to uh, the guy down the street, you talk to the, the Amazon delivery person when they drop something off. I mean, you talk to everybody about everything and all of a sudden you're no longer talking to God. And then who do you talk to most? We talk to ourselves, don't we? Right up here. We start writing a narrative in our minds, right? We start writing a narrative and all of a sudden we start telling us this, ourselves a story and we start talking to ourselves and talking to ourselves, talking to ourselves. And all of a sudden we don't know right from wrong. We don't know up from down. We don't know left from right. We certainly don't know fact from fiction. And all of a sudden everything feels disjointed and disconnected and like it's falling apart. I wanna show you something. This is kind of cool. And I don't normally do this because nobody's impressed by my limited knowledge of Greek, okay? But this is kind of cool. Paul uses a really interesting word for this word, worry. It's not like a restlessness like we talk about. It's not even anxiety like we talk about. He literally is describing um, this idea where we are unduly or overly concerned about something to the point that he uses this word, which literally translates in pieces. We become so unduly concerned or so overly concerned that our mind is in pieces. That's how he describes worry. And isn't that interesting? Isn't that what exactly happens when we start to talk to ourselves? All of a sudden, our minds get in pieces. We are running all over the place. Our imagination is running out of control. We can't figure out up from down, fact from fiction. We're buying into the narrative and it feels like our mind is kind of scattered. We feel like we're kind of losing focus. And I think this happens for a couple of reasons. I mean, ultimately, I think it happens because every one of us loves to live with this illusion of self-control. Like even you at home sitting on your couch, you, you live with this illusion that you are somehow self-sufficient and you can control your own narrative, right? We can pick ourselves up. We can figure everything out. Surely I'm strong enough to solve it. And when we hit something like we just lived through together, all of a sudden we're like, hey, I, I can't do it. I can't figure this out, I can't solve it. I don't even know what's true or what's fiction or I don't know the way forward. I certainly don't wanna go back. And all of a sudden we're kind of all over the place because we live with this idea that we can control things. The other reason I think we do this is because I ultimately don't think we understand this word. I don't think we really understand what prayer is. And I totally get that because guys like me stand on stages like this and we make this way more complicated than it has to be. I totally get it. But this word, literally, you could probably substitute the word trust for this word. Prayer is simply trusting that God is trustworthy to talk to about whatever it is you're experiencing. And I know when I say talk to God, you're like, that's the part that's weird. I totally get that. I understand. But think about this in just really practical terms for just a second. When you experience something, right, the people you talk to are the people you trust, the people you reveal the real you to are the people that you trust. And that's what prayer is. It's God saying, hey, I can be trusted with your truth. I can be trusted. You can be real with me about everything you're experiencing. After that, prayer is just simply admitting that we're not self-sufficient. It's admitting our reliance and our dependence on God and leaving it with him. And Paul says it's the antidote 
to the thing that we're all so good at. It's the antidote to worry. But here's the thing, and I think this also trips us up. It's not magic, okay? It's not wishful thinking. It's not like this magical thing that we all have. I think what happens so often is we pray about something. You know, if you're like me, you get up off your knees, you open your eyes, you're like, so worried, didn't work, still afraid, didn't, I must have not have took, I must not have done it right, and we abandon this thing. But that's not, that's not what this is. It isn't, it isn't magic. It doesn't necessarily prevent fear or worry. That isn't the promise. Paul's gonna tell us in a minute what the promise is. He actually says, once we do this, once we stop worrying and start praying, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will actually guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying. He's like, hey, as you're able to unpack the worry, as you're able to set the worry aside, the fear aside, the the dread aside, the things that are grabbing hold of you, and you're able to replace those by trusting God, by talking to God about those things, you're gonna find something incredible happens. Over time, you're less and less distracted. You're less and less disturbed. You're less and less bothered by the things you're experiencing. And eventually, keyword eventually, eventually you'll find that this mind that's in pieces starts to come together. And the, the pieces of your mind will be replaced with a piece that you can't understand and that exceeds everything you could possibly imagine. And something will happen. Your mind will all of a sudden become single-minded you will begin to focus more on who God is, not on what you're experiencing. Even if your circumstances don't change, all of a sudden you'll find you're focused on the God who never changes. Even if the circumstances don't ever get better, you'll be focused on the God who wants better for you and your mind will move from being in pieces to experiencing a peace that allows you to then move forward. But he's gonna go on and he's gonna give us more. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're sitting here today and you're like, yeah, the prayer part is the part that's gonna hang me up. I don't think I can do that. This next thing will probably be for you because I think it's something every single one of us can try whether or not we believe that God can be trusted with our problems or not. He says, hey, after you do that, the next thing I want you to do, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent. Think about things that are worthy of praise. Here's the the thing. Think about this for a second. In the midst of difficult circumstances, we we want stability, uh, we want confidence, and we want hope for the future, right? Those, Those things are directly related to how we think. Those things come from how we think and what we allow into our minds. This idea that the battle is is won and lost in your head isn't just this new age saying that we all just made up. I know it's backed by science now, and I know you can read all kinds of studies that actually prove that, but that's something Paul was teaching over 2,000 years ago. That, hey, really, the battle really is won and lost in your head. And if you want this stability, and if you want this confidence, and you want this hope for the future, it starts here. And Paul's encouragement for every single one of us is to take an active role in the things that we think about. 
He's like, hey, you can't passively think about things and then expect to be able to move forward with any type of peace about the future. Like if you're going to change your thoughts, you have to become an active participant in what goes in and out of your head. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I literally want you to take your thoughts captive. A thought comes into your head. Take hold of that thought. Grab hold of that thought. And then he says, I want you to evaluate it. I want you to hold it up next to things that you know are true, up next to things that you know are honorable, right, pure, lovely. He said, hey, I know when you start to worry and you start to spiral, your mind gets in pieces and you can't tell right from wrong. He said, here's what I want you to do. When that starts to happen, grab hold of those thoughts. Don't just let any thought come into your mind. Don't just let any thought rule your head. No, grab hold of it and hold it up. Evaluate it up next to the things that you know are true, that you know are pure, that you know are right and lovely and worthy of praise. We have to be active participant with our thoughts. And he says, and then once you start to do that, once you, you start to take control of your thoughts, once you start to worry less and pray more, he says, then keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, literally everything that you have heard from me and saw me doing. You see, None of this, absolutely none of what we have talked about can be looked at as just, just like abstract set of principles. Like this isn't just some Sunday school New Testament list that we write out, you know, and it's just this abstract set of principles. Like it, it can't be looked at that way. Praying can't be separated from thinking and thinking can't be separated from doing. They're all interconnected. They're all intertwined. And Paul's warning to every single one of us is he said, hey, when, when it's all said and done, the stability and the confidence and the trust, even the joy that you're looking for, it comes down to living a life that is habitually disciplined, a life that is committed to putting into practice the things that we think, the things that we have learned, the things that we have seen and heard and experienced and know to be true about our Father in heaven. There's not a one of us who can simply mention to God our problems and expect that there would be some immediate solution. Like it just doesn't work that way. There's not anybody in this room or, or sitting at home that can just try on the power of positive thinking, even if you've gone and bought the book. Like you can't just read the book, try on the, the idea and think, well, it didn't work. I guess, I guess there's no hope for tomorrow. Like we can't just try this out and decide it doesn't work and just give up. Like Paul's warning is, no, this has to become a habit. This has to be something that we actively pursue. This idea has to be something that we decide, hey, we are going to habitually take control of our thoughts. We're gonna actively not worry. We're gonna actively talk to God about things. And we have to put it into practice over and over and over again. You've heard it said that lawyers and doctors have a practice, right? I actually, I love this example. The reason they have a practice is because lawyers and doctors spend all of their time learning and studying and getting better at their craft so that they can help their clients and their patients better, right? But they don't just study. No, once they've studied something, once they've learned something, they get up and then they go and do it. And their whole job is committed to practicing the things that they're learning so that they're constantly getting better and helping people around them be better. It's like everything else, and you've heard us say this a hundred times, it's like everything else, it all comes down to application. If this just hangs up here at this 30,000 foot view for you as some abstract set of principles, and you never actually apply it, you never actually do it, we'll never see the sustained life change that we wanna see. 
you can look at it this way. It's all connected. Basically, what he's saying is our prayers have to guide our thoughts and our thoughts have to guide our actions. But if our actions don't follow our thoughts and our prayers, we'll never, we'll never experience the sustained change that we're looking for. We'll never be able to move forward into a future that we really want to be better. But the more we do this, the more we allow our prayers to guide our thoughts and our thoughts to guide our actions and our actions to follow these two things, the more we do that, here's the promise. This is incredible. He says, then the God of peace will literally be with you. I love this phrase. It's Paul's favorite phrase to describe Jesus in all of his letters. He uses it multiple times to the different churches he writes to. And in this case, it's actually like this play on words was something he said back in verse seven when he talked about the peace of God. But basically what Paul is saying is he's saying, hey, the God whose character is peace, the God whose character is ultimately peace is also the God who is the giver of peace. And he wants to be with you in the midst of whatever it is you're walking through so that you can walk into a future that really can be better than ever. You know, there's, there's a reason you've heard Jesus called the Prince of Peace. There's a reason Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And it's because when he laid down his life on the cross for you and for me, he put an end to all of the striving. He put an end to all of the toiling he ultimately put an end to all of the things like the worry and the dread and the, the scarcity and the fear that we pack into our lives. He put an end to all of that. Ultimately, like we talked about last week, he put an end to us wondering about our standing with God, to us looking at our circumstances as an indicator to where we stand with God. Like he put an end to all of that. And he said, hey, the reason you can move forward it's because the Prince of Peace or the God of Peace is literally with you and with me in the midst of whatever it is you're walking through. But here's the thing, like this isn't just some three-step formulaic process that's gonna turn the sky blue, that's gonna allow you to hear people like Taylor sing in your head so that tomorrow's gonna be brighter and the, the birds are gonna sing clearer and the sun's gonna be brighter. Like it's not... What this is, this is so much bigger than that. There is a promise in all of this. There is a promise that tomorrow really can be better because the author of tomorrow actually wants to be with us today. And Paul would say, when you're ready to experience that, and when I'm ready to experience that, he would say, there's something you need to know. He'd say, ultimately, until you let go of the past, the past isn't going to let go of you. And I want to be really clear. I told you this at the beginning. I'm getting super myopic and granular today. I'm specifically talking about what we've just lived through and a way that we can move forward so that we really can experience this abundant life. Some of you in here have a past that is so traumatic that I could never even begin to understand it and never begin to unpack it in just one 30-minute message. So please don't hear me up here minimizing any of your experiences. Some of you have a past that has such a tight hold of you that it's going to take years and years and years for you to unpack. But when we think about what we've just experienced together, we think about what we've collectively experienced as a society and what it's done to us. Paul would say something similar to, hey, until you're willing to let go of that past, that past won't let go of you. Because we know this, right? We can't 
reach over here and cling to something back here that we've packed into our lives. We can't hold tight to the fear and the worry and the the dread and the scarcity while also hoping and longing to reach way over here and cling to something that we hope to be better. We, We see something that we want to be true about our future, but yet we're holding on to something in our past and it's pulling us apart. And that's that mind that's in pieces. And Paul says, no, 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 until you let go of the past, the past won't let go of you. And ultimately, for every single one of us, the fear of what's behind you will rob you of the joy of what's ahead of you. Ultimately, the longer we hold on to something back here, the fear of that, the fear of everything that we've packed into our lives to survive, right? That will rob you of the joy of what's ahead of you. And what Paul is talking about here is simply taking that thing, whatever it is for you, Think about what you've packed onto your life. Are you willing to, to take it? And are you willing to, to literally lay it at the feet of Jesus and to say, hey, I trust you with this. Like, I trust that you can be trusted. I'm confident that you have something to say about this. I'm willing to lay it here and not only lay it here, but leave it here. And as I lay it here, God, I want you to change the way I think about this. I want you to change the way I process this. I want you to help me evaluate my thoughts because I don't wanna pick this back up again. I wanna leave it right here. And God, as I do that, I wanna be able to take everything I know to be true about you. I wanna be able to take everything that I've learned about you, that I've seen about you, that I've experienced about you through your son. And I wanna start picking up the habits of living that way. I wanna run towards a life that really is better than ever. And as we do that, as you do that, some incredible, incredible things are gonna happen. The fear, the dread, the worry of everything that you've been clinging to, it's gonna start to dissipate. And your hands that you feel like, I can, I can see it in so many of us, we're white knuckle gripping things that our hands are gonna slowly start to open. And we're gonna start to let go of a past that we don't really even wanna hold on to anymore. We're gonna start letting go of a past and reaching forward into a future that we all want to be true and that we all want to be better. So let's go back to where we started. Let's go back to that first question. Can we talk about tomorrow? Like, do you want tomorrow to be better than ever? ready to dream again? Are you ready to aspire to something new? When you are, when you're ready to do that, you need to be ready to let go of the past. Deal with what happened so that ultimately we can bring our worries to Jesus and not accidentally bring those worries and fears into a future that we hope to be true. In just a minute, the band's gonna come up here and they're gonna sing one more song. And uh, sometimes we do this from time to time. They're just gonna really kind of sing this song over you. I don't expect you to know this song. There's no pressure to sing along or anything. You can just sit in the silence. You can close your eyes if that helps you. You can open your eyes, whatever helps you to just kind of focus. And while they're singing, I want you to think about something for a minute. I want you to wrestle with something for a minute while they're singing. Would you be willing, either here in the room or at home where you're watching, would you be willing to finally dream about tomorrow? 
if you knew that you didn't have to carry all the fear with you, that you didn't have to carry all the worry with you, that you didn't have to carry all the dread with you. And if you would, I wanna invite you to give it a try. I wanna invite you to open your mind and your heart to once again dream about a future that really can be better than ever. So come on, come on, join me. Let's, let's put down our fear. Let's put down the worry and the dread and the scarcity that we have packed on for so long. And let's know the peace of God, the peace that'll pass all understanding, that will guard your hearts and my hearts and mine in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I say it all the time, but it is remarkable. It is incredible to be loved by you. But God, even standing here on this stage, I have to admit that sounds way too good to be true. That promise is unbelievable. The promise that you will go with us, that you are the, the author of peace and you will give us peace and, and you'll walk with us in the midst of it. But God, would we not resist the promise because it sounds too good to be true, but instead would you help us to lean in because it sounds so good that we could run towards something that would be better than ever, that tomorrow really could be better than today, that we could live in a future where we don't have to keep holding on to all the things that helped us survive the present. Would you give us that peace? Would you help us to learn the habit of living in this way? And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.